Hello, friends. Welcome to worship this morning. Please stand with us and let's sing. Jesus. 
excited to introduce a new song to you. And we all thirst for something more in this life. And it's Jesus that invites us to come to him to experience a new life and fulfillment that this world cannot bring. And that's what this song is a wonderful reminder of, and we are so excited to introduce it. So let's go. Two, one, two, ready, and brother, sisters, come on down to that river. Guaranteed you'll never be the same. There's a fountain flowing from the heart of the Savior. Bring your sins and all your guilty stains. Let that river of life wash it all away. You've been searching, carrying burdens. If you've been lost and looking for a home. If you've been drifting and something is missing. You should know that you are not alone. Open your heart, don't be afraid. Jump on in, the water is fine. Stealing in the river of life. Come as you are, no time to waste. Open your heart, don't be afraid. Jump on in, the water is called Made for Monday, and y'all have been giving us awesome responses. This is something you are wanting and needing to figure out what it looks like to be in the workplace and to be at home and to serve God. We've talked about being shepherds where we work and where we live. We've talked about looking for those holy moments that God has created. We've talked about going the extra mile for me, what happened after last week's sermon is I started thinking, what is God asking me to step into with more intentionality to go the extra mile? 
And I felt like he was putting it on my heart to pray more intentionally for my children. I read a quote that said, our Heavenly Father should hear from us every day about our kids. And so I started thinking through, what would that look like? And so I had this big, grand plan. I was going to create a prayer group at school. It was going to meet once a month. We were going to pray over students and teachers and the school community, and I was so jazzed about it. And by the end of the week, my jazz factor lowered, and my overwhelmed factor went up, and I was like, that was too big. Never mind. I'm just going to pray for my kids and for the school on my own. So I came to that conclusion. Four hours later, I was at a birthday party that my daughter had been invited to, and I met a new mom from the school. And we soon realized that we were both followers of Jesus. And she said, I don't know if you'd be interested, but I'm starting this prayer group at school <laughs> where we can meet together and pray for students and teachers and the school community. And I laughed in her face. <laughs> and she was like, would you want to be a part of it? <laughs> and I said, yeah, see, God had already asked me to do it, and I told him, no, I'm not going to lead that. But he had already picked you as the leader. He was just asking me to be a part of it. See, God is behind the scenes working with intentionality in our workplaces and in our home, and he's asking us to step in to say yes to it. And as a church, we are stepping in with intentionality to two things, relationships and transformation. See, we believe our God is a relational God, and he's a transformational God. And so First Pres, that's the banner we've chosen to fly, is that we want to be about real relationships and real transformation. So if you're new, we want you to jump on in with us. We'd love to meet you. The best way that you can do that is by filling out a Connect card. You can scan the QR code. You can grab a paper one out front. Uh, we just want to get to know who you are. I wanted to let you know a couple things that are going on in the life of the church. The first is so fun. If you are a parent of anyone ages birth through fifth grade, we are having our third pajama jam. It's going to be on Friday, September 16th. Free child care for date night from 5 to 9 p.m., people. And your kids are going to come in their pajamas, and they're going to have fun, and it's superhero themed. They get dinner. There's crafts. There's games. There's prizes. $7 per kid. It's a no-brainer. So you can sign up on our website. We would love to have your kids. It's going to be a really fun night. And then I also want to let you know one more thing. Next weekend, as you know, is Labor Day weekend. So we're going to have one Sunday worship service, not at 9, not at 1030, right in the middle at 10. So plan on joining us for that next Sunday. And please pray with me this morning. God, thank you so much um, for the way that you are working with intentionality behind the scenes in our lives. And you're just asking us to step into it and say yes. And so I pray for each person in this room, God, the way that you're nudging our hearts, the ways that you're asking us to align with you, Father, that we would step into it and say yes. We have people in our hearts and minds, God, who um, are a part of the life of this church. We lift up in celebration. Uh, Mary, Ashley, and Ian Edwards and the birth of their baby boy Jack and just pray for their family as it is growing in these early sleepless days, Jesus, that you would just come around their family with joy. God, we also pray, um, as we always do for our dear friend Jackie Faircloth, we just pray, Jesus, that you would meet her right where she, where she is. She would sense your presence. She would know how dearly loved she is. Lord, we are thankful that you love us so much. Help us to love you in such big ways in return. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. 
teenagers are a gift from God. I love them. And I want to ask you to lean in and look at the faces of these teenagers that are about to come up. There they are. I want you to lean in and look at their faces from this picture that we took just two Sundays ago when we played fruit and vegetable baseball at the end of Davis Island. And why did you exactly play fruit and vegetable baseball, you ask? Because we know that teenagers need adventure, lots of laughter, and opportunities to experience real relationships with their friends, with God. So first press, I'm asking you to invest in them. I'm asking you to invest in Ashlyn Canella at the Academy. She's sitting right there. Bella Guerra at Plant. I'm asking you to invest in Bella and Ham Lee, Hughes Canali, Nelson Maddox, Wesley Ferrier, Bristol Rowe, and so many more. And invest in those that we're trying to reach who don't know Jesus, who don't have a church family like this one, who don't know that we will do whatever it takes to reach every teenager with the love and humor of Jesus. So here are six ways that are going to pop up, including Venmo, six ways including Venmo that you can invest in the lives of teenagers in our church and in our community. Because we know from scripture that in heaven there is rejoicing and celebrating every time a person, every time a teenager returns to Jesus or comes to Jesus. And that's a wow. We get to celebrate that too. So thank you for investing in their lives. We love you, Ashlyn, Bella. Please stand with us.
So Kathy's event that she showed you a picture of with high school-aged teenagers out off the end of the island reminded me of a time where I did it with teenagers, and we found a produce distributor who was about to dump a truckload of tomatoes. And we didn't bother with bats. We just threw them at each other. It was a blast. And we did it on a church property, and we didn't bother to clean it up either. We just ran. <laughs> I didn't get caught. Well, anyhow, I have in front of me some good news, and we just sang about it. We just sang about it. The chains are going to come off. If it's the chain of the Sunday scaries, if it's the change of not quite feeling great about your work, what we're going to do is continue to think about how we were made for Monday. That's what you were made for. You were made to serve God with what you do during your work week and in your workplace. It could be your home it could be school. You could be a person who has finished working in life and has income from retirement vehicles, et cetera, and you're, you're in industry, you're in business, you're in helping professions, whatever you are. You were made by God for this, and you were called, and I was called by God for this. Every single one of us. Nobody is exempt. And it's really good news when we turn the corner and realize that's what we're about. And here at the church, we're talking, as McLean said already, we're flagging it by talking about real relationship and real transformation. And it can take place in your work. This is just phenomenal good news. Your chains will come off as you surrender to the goodness of God in the workplace, whatever it might be. But I thought it would be kind of fun for me to tell you a little bit about my work. I have a great list here. I, started, I had some fun. I started, what, what have I done to earn money? Just going back. So in the sixth grade, I had my first job. And I stood on the corner in St. Augustine, Florida with a hand, Augustine, Florida with a handful of St. Augustine record newspapers. It was a Monday through Friday afternoon paper, no Saturday paper, Sunday morning. Okay? So it was about eight pages thick. It cost a dime. And if I sold one, I got to keep a nickel stood on the corner. I was not good at this. And I was, I remember the, the, there was a bell tower at the Catholic Cathedral across the park there in downtown San Augustine. And it rang five times. I went back to the record. And they went, what are you doing back here? You don't quit until six. I went, oh, I'd sold three papers. I stood out there all day and made 15 cents. <laughs> well, I graduated. I got myself a bicycle route. And that was really cool for two reasons. One is it was a set of subscribers, and I had about 110 customers, which was a good number. And you could get 110 papers even on Sunday on your bike. And most of them, it was in a neighborhood where most of the people had a couple of, they had a couple of bucks. It wasn't a, like a more poor neighborhood. And most of them would pay directly to the newspaper company monthly. The people who were kind of having a hard time keeping together, I had to knock on their door and collect from them weekly. That's heavy. That's intensive labor. But I got out of that route and into this great route. And so, and, by, and on Sunday mornings, we got up at 4 o'clock, go down to the paper, get the papers about 4.30, and get out and get them done, and then hit the bakeries and spend all my earnings on uh, cherry turnovers. <laughs> but we'd also, I, my route was over the bridge, so if I had extras coming back, I bombed the shrimp boats. Just could you hit a shrimp boat going underneath the bridge as it goes by? They lift the drawbridge, and bam, away we go. They couldn't do anything to us. I, I used part of my earnings to buy a lawnmower, so on the side I'd cut a couple of yards, and what you need to know is that we didn't have a blade stick, didn't have edgers, my edgers were one of those things, and, that, and a blower, you know what my blower was? A broom, 
it was not fun. I didn't like it. But I bought the lawnmower and pushed it around, dragged it behind my bicycle. I, I forgot to mention my bicycle. Had, I think it was a 24-inch wheel, Schwinn, with butterfly handlebars because those were cool. In the newspapers, there was S-hooks. You could put the S-hooks into the handles and put the papers right in front of you. So weekday, I'd drive the bike and throw them on Sunday. I also had cool stainless steel racks back here. I mean, baskets on the back. And you jam that full of newspapers on Sunday, plus the bag full of newspapers on Sunday. And it was always a race to see who could roll their papers the fastest and get out of the record. So all kinds of competition going on. How much money you made? Could you hit the shrimp boat? Could you get your route finished before anybody else, et cetera? Save money, work. And I'm looking down here to remember what my next job was because in most of these jobs, I quit. <laughs> so uh, the next thing that happened is when I, I, when I was 15, I was able to ride a motorcycle because the license then would let you ride a motorcycle, not drive a car. And so I went to work for a local mom-and-pop pharmacy, and the pharmacy had a, a, a counter where you made milkshakes and they fry food and all that kind of stuff. And it was a, a son-father-pharmacist deal. And so I would get on my 50cc hand gift, uh, hand, gear shift on the hand Honda, Honda, and no, it wasn't a Honda, it was a Harley, 50cc Harley, and drive all over St. Augustine delivering um, prescriptions, except there were places where there were little bumps. <laughs> so the thing couldn't go very fast. But I did still manage to wreck it. The reason that I will not get on a motorcycle or one of those little scooters because I will do something stupid and hurt myself. So I'm not, I'm not ever getting on one of them. What happened next? I got fired from that job because, you want to hear this? I wouldn't cut my hair. I, the, 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 the mom, the, 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 patriarch, the matriarch said, Fitz, why do you want to look like a girl? And I just, she wanted me to cut my hair, and I said, I'm not cutting my hair, so I quit. <laughs> <laughs> the next job was a stock clerk at the Great Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company. It doesn't exist anymore. They went out of business. It's a grocery store chain. And I was a stock clerk and a bag boy there. Well, guess what? I didn't cut my hair, but I had to have a short hair. So you know what I did? I and one other buddy, we wore a short hair wig. <laughs> I put my hair up in a man bun long before man bun was man bun and put a wig on and wore a white shirt with a tie and paraded around in there and bagged groceries and put stock up with a wig on. And, man, I hated that thing, but I wasn't going to cut my hair because this is serious. You know, your hair, you ain't, you ain't cutting your hair. Not if you grew up when I grew up. Not if you were a surfer. Not if you were an idiot. You didn't cut your hair. Next. <laughs> Here we go. Next was construction. So I worked construction one summer. This, I quit the stock clerk job because I, I did that the first two years of college, senior year of high school, first two years of college, and then went to Tallahassee back in the summer working construction. But I quit that job. You know why? Because we're on the beach building a hotel on the beach, and it's in the summer, and the waves are always flat in the summer, but there's a storm pu pushing big waves in from the northeast, southwest, and the wind's blowing offshore. And my buddies and I are looking at those waves, and we got a nail belt on and a hard hat, and we're hauling these huge two-by-sixes all over the place. Here's your hard hat. Here's your nail belt. Bam. Went home, got my board, and went surfing. <laughs> Walked right off the job. But I had a job in my pocket. I went to work for my dad who had a gas station, and I pumped gas. Made $1 an hour less, but the waves were worth it for one day. <sighs> Graduated from college and went to work for Young Life. But uh, <laughs> went, went to work for Young Life, 
um, Kathy and I took a hiatus from the full-time work because we went to Pasadena, California, where I finished my Master Divinity degree, and she got her started. She finished a few years later, came back to Tampa, went to work leading Young Life in Tampa. Did it again, quit that job <laughs> without having a job. And you know what I did? Dan Fields and I dug ditches to put irrigation systems in for Bill Curtis. It was humiliating. <laughs> but I got hired about after 90 very miserable days. I got great insight into grown adult men who did construction. It's why they were worried about quitting time and payday, because 5 o'clock was beer 5.30. And I understood why they felt that way. It was really hard, and it, it was scary. I don't even know why I did it. Kathy, why did I do that? So th we're coming somewhere. This thing is going to land soon. I just <laughs> but I have a list here. What began to happen to me is I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled because leading Young Life in Tampa was a profoundly meaningful job, and I felt called, and I was called, but I ran into a wall. And I'm not, still not sure what the wall was, but I, I had to make a change. I just couldn't keep going. And I didn't have another job, that I, but I quit. But obviously, from my past, you could see I had a good history of quitting. <laughs> but God took care of me. I ended up as the chaplain at Eckerd College, and all kinds of good things happened to me. I, at the last three year, the two, last two years of my job at Eckerd College, not only was I a chaplain, but I was the senior vice president for student affairs. Man, did I learn a lot. Man, I learned a lot. Now, in my life, I never really had, uh, once Young Life stuff started, I, I didn't have the Sunday scaries. I wasn't worried about money, but I was trying to figure out who I was, and that's hard. If you don't know who you are and you're in a job and it doesn't seem like a right fit, um, it's tough. Anyway, that happened to me, So, and nine years there and 24 years here. Man, I, I, this is, I'm just telling you, I was made for this. And that's the, you, you know I mean that in all humility. I don't mean that in any other way than I'm just a very fortunate person that what I do, I think God called me to do, which is my way of saying I was made for it. You are made for it also. Now, I'm a preacher, and I know nothing about the marketplace. I work with Christians. I'm around Christians all the time. I don't know squat about what it's like to really be out in the world, have capital at risk, and try to earn a living. And I just want you to know I don't know that, but I listen really well. But it doesn't mean that you can't have huge meaning because you were made for it. You're, you were given it by God. So we said this, three, we've been saying this in so many words and for the last several weeks. We've been talking about our, we've made for Monday. You could be a stay-at-home parent. You could be retired from earning a living. There are two or three or four people right here in the room right now who've made great meaning out of the part of their life now, the third third of life where they're not earning a paycheck to pay bills because they have all the vehicles that they built to pay the bills, but they still have great meaning in the way they're giving into whatever it is they feel God that calling them to do. And those of us who are in the workforce somehow earning a check while we do what we do, we got a bunch of people that do that. we got people who are students, and a couple of them in the room right now, and all of us have been made for it. If we understand the principle, and the principle is that God made you not to earn a living, but he made you to make life worth living in the place where you work. It's as if Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the garden, and we were put in the garden by God and we're made like God, and God says, you're my partner in this enterprise of making this garden a place where life flourishes for people. And all, there are 
any, any job that helps people flourish can be a calling. And that's what we want to be. We want to be called. And don't think because Kathy and I are clergy and McLean stands up and talks about faith in such a great way. Don't think because we're clergy and clergy-like, we're no more called. That's really a horrible way to think about the Christian faith and the Christian church. All of us are called. We do it as together as a big family out in God's world. The action is out there. We get juiced in here, and then we go out there, and then we recharge, and then we go out again. Well, you were made for Monday. Two pieces of scripture to help get you fired up, and the first one is just going to be that. I'm going to not say very much about it, but I want you to do one thing about this when I read this to you. Get fired up. You ready? So here it is. This is from the very last book of the Bible, and it's a letter from Jesus to one of the churches, and it's got some challenging words in it. I know your deeds, Jesus says, that you're neither hot nor cold. I'm sorry, it says that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you're lukewarm, and here it is, friends, we don't want to be lukewarm. We want to be fired up. Neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. If you have had out in the heat right now, tepid water as you're out walking or running or whatever, you realize it's no fun. Tepid water is no fun. Jesus is saying, get fired up. And it's a challenge for sure, but he's saying, get fired up. About what? About Monday, about Tuesday, about Wednesday. And there's one other text here just to remind us, and that's this. Jesus is your boss. Get fired up, friends. Because Jesus is your boss. Here it is. Paul writing to these Christians in the very earliest followers of Jesus in Colossae. It's a, it's a city in, in Europe, way over there somewhere far from here. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, and man, do we have an inheritance? It's the Lord Christ you are serving. In other words, let's make this really clear. Get fired up, friends. Why? Because Jesus is your boss. Jesus is your boss. You have a boss, and your boss is Jesus. So we, we've, we thought it would be really cool to hear from two or three people who, who, who have Who've carefully, who are carefully able to articulate how it is that Jesus is their boss and how it is that they're applying their faith in their workplace. So we have three of them. The first one is David Dunkel. David Dunkel is the formerly the CEO and chairman of the board of K-Force. He has passed the baton of the CEO part, and he's kind of semi-retired. And so now he is chairman of the board only, and David is going to say a couple of minutes of stuff about how it is that he makes his faith at work at the workplace and how it is that Jesus is his boss. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Dave Dunkel, and I'm currently chairman and formerly CEO of K-Force. And I wanted to share with you this morning uh, my experience of what it was like to live out my faith in the workplace um, and actually be serving Jesus and those that he brought to me. Many years ago, I used to view my job um, as a job and a way to accomplish business goals and objectives. And I saw people as a means to do that. And what the Lord showed me, and really as a result of my membership in an organization called C12, uh, which is Christian Business Roundtable, where they taught us that 
uh, that God owns every business and that each of us are in ministry and that our responsibility is to be faithful to what it is that God has called us to do in the marketplace. And so that really reoriented my thinking to see the business as a ministry and that my role was to be a priest or a pastor in that business. And so it completely inverted my paradigm in the way that I viewed people. So rather than seeing them as a means to accomplishing my objective, I saw them as the objective themselves and that my whole purpose was actually to serve them and to minister to them in response to the invitation that the Lord Jesus would give me to come alongside them, in many cases to invite them to Bible studies, uh, in many cases to bear witness to them, um, but always just to love them unconditionally. And uh, so what I discovered was that, uh, that actually that's what God called me to do in business. And I believe that's what he's called each of us to do in whatever role we're in. So um, I was often asked, are you in full-time ministry? The answer is yes. Um, because God has raised each of us up to be a priest and we're just called to different locations to do that. So uh, I'm grateful for that uh, teaching that I received and today my purpose is to be able to teach others to do that as well and to recognize that whatever role you're in and wherever place you are in the marketplace that you're serving, uh, to recognize that you're doing all things as unto the Lord. Thank you. That's pretty strong. And here, David is watching now. Hey, David, he's in New Hampshire. He has, a, he has a piece of property there, and he's hosting a group of people who are on a retreat together, and he and a couple of other folks are leading it. So he's doing what he said he was doing, and some of those people are people from his workplace. Um, I, two things I wanted to say about what David said, just there are lots that we could say, but one thing I wanted to say is this. Is he made the comment that God owns the business. Now that's a fundamental paradigm inversion and that's the term he used god owns the business and i'm god's servant in the business he said that but the other thing he said he doesn't know it but he used a greek word metanoia he said i changed the way i thought about people people were a means to an end a business objective and then he realized the people themselves were then he said these words the end the point was to love and care for those people of course they did their product in K-Force. He didn't quit doing their business, but the people themselves, he saw himself as, as serving. He changed his mind. It's a Greek word. It's used in the Bible all the time about, and sometimes it gets translated as repent. David, you repented. Metanoia. It means literally changing your mind, changing how you think. And when we start following Jesus, our minds are going to change. It doesn't necessarily mean that there was anything morally wrong with the previous way of looking at stuff, but when I start seeing things with Jesus' inverted paradigm and value people differently, that's going to make work come alive. And David was made for Monday in, in the workplace. We have another person who's going to talk to you. Her name is Erin Ritchie, and as it's going to be clear, she was in industry, and then she decided to start her own business. Erin, talk to us. Hey, my name is Erin Carlson, Carlson, and it is very clear to me um, that God is my boss um, for a variety of reasons. I spent about 15 years in the corporate world um, working for a variety of different companies in the recruiting and talent acquisition space, and about eight years ago, I, through a lot of prayer and thought and consideration, decided to start my own business 
um, in a consulting capacity. And during that time, um, it was just a, a tremendous time for prayer and for thought and consideration on um, what God wanted me to do with my life and how he wanted me to use the skills that he provided me um, to help impact others. And I had always felt um, a deep calling into the world of discipleship through my, my career, but I felt this nudge for many years prior to transitioning into owning a business for greater impact and being able to um, help people and reach a broader base of people if I was in a consulting situation. And so I, after a lot of prayer and consideration, um, decided to do that. And it's just been really neat to see um, how far reaching I have been able to be in serving people in the capacity that I'm in now um, and how I've been able to live out my faith through my business and through the clients that I help. So I spend a lot of time um, praying for clients and helping them walk through um, their own professional situations and a lot of people in a career transition space um, and, and what their purpose is and their calling is and whether they're Christian or not, um, being able to use what I've learned in my own faith journey to help them through that. So it was um, a little scary, um, actually maybe a lot scary at first because there was so much that was unknown and it required me to really lean on God and trust in him fully for my own well-being in my business. Um, but I think I've just been able to reap huge reward and benefit um, not just from the business perspective and what I do, but it's been clear to me that how I've been able to serve others and use my faith to help support them um, has been a really rich piece of um, going out on my own that I never really expected to have. So it's very clear that he's got me in the place that he wants me and I hope I continue to get to use my gifts and talents to help my clients in that way. Well, I didn't think we could top David, but we may have just done it. Just a couple of three things that I heard Erin say, and I, just things that I wanted to point out. She said prayer about 10 times. David clearly said prayer. We're starting to have a theme here. And so asking God to be in the middle of this journey of work is a part of how I would summarize that. But Erin said a couple other things. The first thing she said was scary. Now, let me, let me make this really granular. When you start a new business, you ain't got no money. So it's risk. And when she started, I just remember, she started. And I remember when it happened, and I said, you start a new business, you have no flow. And now, eight years later, she's earning money as well as doing all the other great things she said. The third thing I wanted to point out is she mentioned her abilities. So I, we're made for Mondays. And we're made by God. And God gives us abilities. And here's how I think we can think about our abilities. One of the things, and Aaron illustrates it really well. Our abilities are like a compass. They don't tell us exactly which next step to take, but they get us going in the right direction. And you were made the way you were made, and I was the made, way, made the way I was made by God. And so God enables us and then uses those abilities to help people flourish in the world. And Aaron mentioned it, so I wanted to just underscore it for you. Your abilities are a part of how God made you so you can do what you do on Monday. And she made that really clear. We have one more. Danielle, you got some work to do to top it, but here you go, girl. This sermon series has really helped me hone in on living out my faith at work. 
I started this by shifting the perspective from work as an opportunity to prove myself, to prove my worth, to instead seeing it as an opportunity to glorify God. This has really lightened um, the heaviness of work because I realize it's not all up to me and my capabilities and my ideas. I get the opportunity to pray to God for wisdom, um, to pray for the projects that he's entrusted to me, and to pray for the leaders, um, including the executives, for can God grant them wisdom? Um, can he guide and shape and evolve things that are so much bigger than what is directly on my plate? And that gives me such hope that a bigger impact is going to be made, that work will continue to improve and be optimized because God's working behind the scenes on it, not just me. It's also helped me connect with my, with my peers a lot better. Instead of purely focusing on a project that I've got to knock out, if someone comes up to me and starts to engage in conversation, I instead am practicing getting better at pausing and turning towards them and sensing if there's something they want to talk about. Can I ask those genuine questions? Um, also being cognizant of the energy around me. Is someone really quiet? Do they seem disconnected? Um, can I ask them a question? Can I help them feel seen and heard? Or is someone really stressed? They have a lot on their plate. Can I Venmo them five bucks for coffee in the morning? Um, just as some simple encouragement or bring something to the office that I know that they would enjoy or offer my help, you know, um, try to problem solve with them. So it's enabled me to focus more on the glory of God versus glory of myself and my abilities, which not to say work is any less challenging. I mean, there's still a ton of work to be done, but I have so much more hope and confidence knowing that I'm not doing it alone and that results with God on my side are going to be way more impactful than anything I could have accomplished alone. Three really great. These are, these are regular people. You and I, we're regular people. Thank you, Danielle. A couple of things I wanted to point out. I think it's obvious. She used the term, she talked about God's presence and she talked about prayer. And the next thing she said is lightened. Did you hear her say that? Somehow uh, the stress of work lightens for Danielle because she's beginning to see that God, she said the glory of God, and she meant the, she said also the presence of God sort of making it happen, taking the weight or the load off of herself. So that's a dynamic relational thing going on when we say, okay, God, you're in the middle of this, and really you're doing the heavy lifting. I'm going to do my part, but you're doing the heavy lifting. And, and Danielle expressed that. She, she, I think you may have noticed she said prayer two or three or ten times. The other thing that she said that I'll just mention, she, she mentioned serving, and then she got specific. Danielle, my Venmo is capital F-I-T-Z hyphen capital C-O-N-N-E-R at Venmo or whatever it is. So I'll take your five bucks and we'll have coffee. Um, so I thought it was so, so um, sensitive in a leadership-oriented kind of way to be aware of people and being able to find some room to actually listen to somebody who might be stressed out and we go into our jobs and we bring all kind of stuff with us. And she's apparently, like David said, and like Aaron said, she's apparently making herself available for a broader sense of relationship with colleagues and peers and clients because she sees the people as people that God wants to use her to help love. Oh, made for it. And my guess is that we could, Kathy could go with her camera and she could run around this room and get you in the side room and ask you the question, 
How do you live out your faith at work? How have you been learning that Jesus is your boss? Because that's the question she asked him up front. And you'd start saying things just like this because you want it. And that, that's my hunch. Let me just offer a couple of ideas about work that I think are rumbling around inside us that have to do, that get us to feeling called, okay? A couple of ideas about my work, a couple of ideas about your work. It's sort of the reason I start out with my funny list of jobs that I had. Most of those jobs were jobs for money, but I was a kid and a kid wants money. But as we get, as we mature, we want to have our motivation, our orientation towards our job to be serving Jesus, who is the boss, and we want to be fired up doing it. But here's how to not be fired up. If I were to ask someone what their motivation or orientation toward their job is, and they said, well, my job is the, the reason I work is for money. Now, we have to work. Some, somehow we have to have money. I work for money to pay the bills. And many, uh, we have to pay the bills, and so we need money. Yes, no, nobody cannot do that. But if that's it, and I, if that's it, then here's the vulnerable side of that. Well, the first thing is everything is about what I receive. If my orientation is I'm, I, I'm working to get money to pay the bills, my orientation is I'm receiving. And the, the, challenge, the challenge with that is I'm going to start, I think, to resent my job. And the reason is because human beings need more meaning than just receiving money. And I think that we resent things that don't give us stuff that we want. Tony Dungy, who spoke to a group of men, we went to Crystal River and we had him speak for us. And he said this, that Chuck Knoll, then the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was Tony's coach as a rookie, got those guys in a room and said, boys, here's what you can't do. You can't make football number one. And he rattled off the things that needed to be for number one. It was number four. If you make football number one, it will disappoint you. That's Tony Dungy. He has one of those Lombardi trophies. He played in the league himself. You know what that trophy is. You know, they won the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? He has one of those. Tony Dungy. Football isn't it. He's a world champion coach saying it's not number one. Same thing about money. It can't be number one, and it will, will always end up frustrated or resentful. So let's move our motivation needle up just a little bit, remembering that the goal is to somehow have our work not be for money, not for a living, but to be making life worth living for the people we work with. Let's bump it up a, let's bump it up a notch. Let's say that our work is our career, and so our motivation, our orientation towards our work as a career, that's a little bit more depth than just paying money, paying bills, getting money to pay bills. And so what that means is I'm, I'm trying to advance and succeed, and I'm working for advancement and succeed. Maybe I'm working for prestige and success. But there's still this vulnerability there because all of that is still about what I get out of it. And so if, if I'm... If I'm working for prestige and success and advancement and all those good things, and those things are all good, but if that's the end, then what happens if somehow a work just doesn't go well? Or if I somehow don't hit what I thought I should have hit, if I somehow don't make it or I, I'm disappointed? And so then I think our sense of ourself is on the line. And I've, I start to feel like, well, I'm no good. 
So we're going to bump it up one last notch, and we're going to go back to the thesis that we're working with. We're going to talk about work as a calling. Anything that helps people flourish, helps the planet flourish, that's a call, that, that, that can be a blessing to people. That's work that we can do. And if it's, if it's a job where we earn money and, if it's a, and it's a career where we get as good as we can good at it, and it, but if the third level is that it's because we're called to do it, now we're starting to get in stride here. Now we're starting to realize what it means to be made for Monday. Here's the thing about a calling. If you feel like your work is a calling, guess what? Someone is calling you. Jesus is your boss. That's who's calling you. And so you're, we don't do anything. We, if we've been abled by God and if we've been called by God, notice what I'm about to say here. We don't just go do whatever we want to do. We do what we've been called to do. Because, see, we're not the caller. We're the callee. You're a callee. You've been called, I've been called by God to go and do what God has abled you to do. And when we do it to serve God's people in the place where we work so that they flourish, and we do it as best we can do it, if it's K-Force, if it's Aaron's HR consulting firm, if it's, if it's uh, actually Danielle is sort of in HR also, whatever it is that you do, do it the very best you can because you've been called by the caller you're the callee, and you're helping God's garden grow into a place where people flourish. I'm going to pray, but before I do it, I want to invite you to do this. I want to you to try to remember your first job, your second job. Do it right. You may get pencil out and paper later on and do it, but at some point, you began to feel called. And if that's not really where you are right now, and if it's hard, I understand that, but you do what you heard those three people do. Prayer, sharing with other people who understand. Prayer, the glory of God. Prayer, prayer, prayer. God will make it clear and God will call you. But we have to trust him. And it may, it may begin right now with just saying, please, God, help me. Let me pray for you. Gracious God, we thank you that our motivation, our orientation towards our job is really an orientation to serve you and serve the people in the place where we work. And we can all do it. We're full-time ministers, every one of us. Thank you, gracious God, that you teach us so much in all the jobs we've had in our life and that you put us where you want us right now. You give us the ability to do it, and you make us into people who are your representatives, your ministers, your agents, your emissaries in the places where we work, and you want us to care for people so that their lives flourish. This is what we do. Gracious God, thank you that we were made for Monday. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to outro this thing and go flying out the door. Brothers, sisters, come on down to that river. Guaranteed you'll never be the same. There's a fountain flowing from the heart of the Savior. Bring your sins and all your guilty stains. Let that river of life wash it all away. You've been searching, carrying burdens. You've been lost in searching for a home. You've been drifting, and something is missing. You should know that you are not alone, brother.
river of 